Welcome to Ride Underground. You found us. This is a place where we hear from instigators who are changing the world with disruptive and emerging technologies. I'm your host, Tom Snyder, Executive Director of Riot, and welcome to the program. Really happy today to have Troy Knight, the founder and CEO of Building 25, with us in the virtual studio. Troy, welcome to the program. Thanks, Tom. Pleasure to be here. So as we get started, we have a tradition here at the Riot Underground. As an audio broadcast, sometimes it's nice to put a visual to the voice. Troy, before we get started, and while people don't quite know who you are or what they do, let's start with that visual. If you had a chance to ask anyone to play you in the biopic about Troy Knight and Building 25, who would be that actor? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would have to say Tony Stark. You know, Tony Stark is not only, an, uh, you know, being Iron Man, I'm an Iron Man triathlete, but also on top of that, uh, you know, he just... He works with technology. He creates, you know, really clever devices, and uh, he pushes the boundaries of what technology can do. And that's that's kind of what you know we do here at Building Twenty Five, but also you know what I've done through my career. I love it, and I'm glad that you selected that. Occasionally, I've had people come up to me and ask if I was Robert Downey Jr.'s brother, and it drives my wife crazy. <laughs> so it's good to have someone else maybe shoulder that mantle, and uh, and it's great to have a superhero here in the studio. So uh, thanks for joining us. That's great. So you talk about somebody who does really cool stuff, makes great gadgets, makes great tools. You're in that space, uh, Building 25, does creation, is a very creative organization. Help our listeners to know a little bit about, more about the organization itself. Yeah, well, when you, when you look at Building 25, I mean, a lot of it was built you know, off of my background uh, and where I came from. It started in the, the gaming industry back in the, the 90s. I worked with Tom Clancy, uh, worked on the first game title called SSN. SSN was based off of the movie Hunt for October with Sean Connery. And so I had an opportunity to work with Tom Clancy, even though I had uh, degrees coming out of college, uh, mechanical engineering, architecture, and civil engineering. And you know, who can pass up the opportunity to work in the gaming industry with Tom Clancy? So that, that's where I went. I could make double the amount of money, too, as not being an apprentice. So that's where my career started, you know, was there. And working through gaming, finished up the first game title, rolled over into the parent company, which was Virtus. You know, Virtus was a virtual reality computer company. We helped develop the first VR technology tools. Uh, and environments on the Macintosh back in the 90s with uh, founder David Smith, a very progressive thinker. Um, and it was amazing kind of what technology built, but it helped us also start the whole genre of, you know, what they call the first person shooter games where, you know, you've got these VR environments that you're walking around, you're playing, you know, an immersed experience. So, you know, when I look over my career, starting in gaming, got into virtual reality, after virtual reality, I was in a number of spin-out companies, you know, and so my, you know, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So having the opportunity to take technology, create an idea, spinning it out as a as its own company, we took the core technology from gaming, but then started to use it for business applications. So architecture, civil engineering markets. So, you know, as that progressed, I was always kind of on that bleeding edge uh, of technology and how it can be leveraged in the, the business space. So I you know, started my own design agency, ran that for a couple of years. We got acquired to go into a learning company. 
So I ran global learning productions team across the U.S. and then had an opportunity to work with a local company, uh, Vanco, with their consulting and recruiting firm. And I got introduced to them. They liked the background that I came from, you know, gaming, design, learning, multimedia. And, and those backgrounds and experiences and domains typically were very specialized. So a lot of people just didn't understand that space, especially the gaming space at the time. And so they asked me to write a business plan, run a business plan, got the division started in 2008. And from there, I said, we can bring in this technology and experience and strategy, but we can also build a production firm inside of this national recruiting and consulting firm. So that's what I did. And as we progressed, Building 25 became kind of what my history and background was. Because as you know, when you spin a company out, you know, you're always thinking about how can I be different than the other companies around me? Not only within the area, in the region, or in the nation, or globally, you've got to have a different story. So for me, Building 25 was based on the gaming DNA roots, the methodology, the thinking process of how we created engagement in games, but the thinking process of how we build better strategy for business applications and enterprise platforms to create that engagement and immersion. So Building 25 is an experiential you know, design firm, and it's leveraging its roots within the gaming DNA, but also adding in the behavioral heuristics or the behavioral science on top of the gaming DNA with emerging tech. So when you combine those three together, that's kind of really who we are at, at Building 25, because I found out that gaming brings the experience and the immersion in the engagement. The behavioral science side of it brings in the validation for the decisions that we make in the business applications that we create. And then working in emerging techs allows us to go into multiple different directions, whether it's building a you know a massive enterprise platform for a you know fidelity charitable, or is it building a virtual VR environment leveraging a game engine for UNC Chapel Hill run healthcare? So it allows us to really bring a lot of different expertise in the table with that experience background. That was a long answer for what you asked, but I kind of gave you the history of saying it. No, that's great. Uh, really, really interesting. I, I was thinking as we were sitting here. I haven't thought about this before, but I personally am not an avid computer gamer, but I'm an extremely avid board gamer uh, to the level I actually compete in national competitions and things like that. Rachel Newberry, who runs our accelerator program, came out of the behavioral science space. She ran a behavioral science accelerator at uh, Duke University before coming here to launch the Riot Accelerator. Uh, and we're involved in emerging tech. So Riot uh, <laughs> has a lot of those same elements of DNA, which uh, might be why we like working with you all so much. Yeah. Um, pretty interesting. No question, the point you made about how do you differentiate from competitors, you know, the story you just told is very compelling. But I think more interesting is the skill sets you described really enable you to help to solve problems in a different way for your clients. And can you give us maybe an example or two of how you leverage the behavioral science and the kind of the other elements behind, I'll call it game theory. I don't know if I'm using the term correctly, you know, as you've developed out new solutions. Yeah. So yeah, when you when you first get into it, you know, you have to, you know, where is your differentiator in the marketplace? And so for us, you know, I kept coming back to and resting on gaming because gaming in general 
is something that we're all connected to it probably within one degree, whether it's we play it directly or whether it's our children play it or friends play it, we're always now entrenched in it, somehow connected to it. So for me, that part of the story is a conversation that typically will happen a lot. And when they hear that you've got the gaming background, you know, people are interested in whether it's positively interested or negatively interested because like, that's my kids. All they do is play games for 18 hours a day and they just don't leave their room. You know, leveraging that, that was kind of the first differentiator. Then you get into the behavioral side, it just validates the decisions we make. So when we, when we look in for how we're different, the methodology and the game theory and understanding per the word gamification, we don't use that term that much because a lot of times it's misused. You know, it's, it's all about leaderboards and badging and rewards, and that's what gamification is. But there's something that goes much deeper than just putting a leaderboard up because that's just tracking data and who, who scores the highest. You know, it's, it's leveraging the gaming side that creates the engagement of games. So there's certain games that you've probably played or even board games you've played that some will just really bring you into the game. It's the strategy. Well, for video games, it might be the narration and the story. You know, we've seen transition over the years, not only with the technology is getting more realistic in games, but now it's becoming the story and the narration. They're putting so much money behind that because that's what will keep coming back for more. It's the experience of what happens when you get into the game versus how you experience it makes you want to come back again and play. So take the same you know, analogy there or philosophies there, and then you kind of embed that into a business world application. For example, if you have a charitable giving, big thing is you, know, you want someone to come in to make a donation to a charity, but what is a way that you might be able to leverage the user to come not only give one donation once, but come back multiple times because they feel like they're making the impacts within the society or making a, an impact within the charity and the money that they're giving to. So, you know, there's strategies around that that you might have. In general, business and the applications you do, you have like intrinsic motivations and extrinsic motivations. You know, the intrinsic is passion, love. This is why I love coming back. So you're going to hit a lot of that within the charitable, you know, the donation side from that perspective. Then the behavioral side is really just understanding what the user's thinking and understanding what the user's thinking before they know they're making a decision that you want them to make. So you're helping guide them as well, too. Video games does the same thing. So if you're in a, a specific environment and the game wants you to follow along a path, you'll notice that certain aspects within the scene, you know, if it's trying to get you through that doorway, there are going to be visual cues that know or sounds or action that's going to help you guide you through that path. So doing the same thing, but within a business application is how do you guide the user to make the right choice? to give you the right results. So that's kind of how both of those come together as one. Then it just depends what technology platform you're going to use. You know, are you just going to go ahead and develop on a normal you know, technology stack? Or are you going to look somewhere a little bit differently and say, okay, let's use this leverage a gaming engine. We're going to make it more 2D based because there's a number of gaming engines out there that give you the 2D, but you still get the depth and the interactions that you would with the game, but you, it's a lot easier to manipulate it or using it for a business world case. So, those are kind of two different directions on when we think through things, how we might leverage the behavioral side with the gaming side with depending on what emerging tech direction that we might go. 
Are most organizations that are thinking about this, thinking about it more in terms of bringing these game elements towards the end customer and understanding what are their motivations and their behaviors and stuff? Or is it more about internal, maybe one of the older ways that you motivate employees is like bonus structures and things. Maybe those can be looked at as games. Is it more internal operations where they're trying to drive these behavioral patterns and things? Yeah, it's really both. It's not that you know the work that we do is always going to be externally facing or internal because it can be either or. I mean, we work with a large healthcare organization that the executive, you know, based down in, in Baton Rouge in Louisiana, they were like, "All right, we want things to explode in the environment with you know to better connect with our audience." And the big thing is you have to ask yourself as the audience, what kind of interactions, what kind of platform do you need to give? the users of your audience to give the best business you know, end results. So from that perspective, the executive was describing, she wanted things to explode, but what she was wanting, she wanted better engagement because they're hearing a lot of times you'll hear, oh, if they play games, they'll learn. It doesn't mean by playing games, you'll learn. It's just, you need a platform that better engages your users to solve the business problem that you're having us come in to solve. So that might be internal. I mean, we work with a healthcare organization where internally they wanted to play games, but then when we go in there and we analyze and we have this visioning stage, we'll go in and really break everything apart. Let's get all the cards on the table. Let's really understand what your goals are. We found out they just really need a platform to drive us content. And then some parts of the content just need to be you know, more engaging. Externally, you know, it might be the same thing where you know, you're looking at a another healthcare organization or telehealth. They needed more visual cues to better connect with the patients that were in hospitals on the experience that they were trying to deliver. You know, and they were sitting there, they're on the iPad. They wanted the visual experience to connect with the audience, and there was a specific audience that they were trying to connect with. So then you've got to, you know, make sure you represent your visuals reflect that's going to get the best response from that. So it just depends which direction you go. You know, the charitable is the same thing. You know, you, you need things very easy. You need to be able to get your phone, go into it, make a quick donation, supply it, and then back out. Or make a quick donation that continually comes out every month or every paycheck because, you know, you just you want to kind of set it and forget it. So there are there certain things that you'd want to do around the products that you build to create that engagement, both internally and externally. Yeah. Do you find that the term game ever holds back the opportunity just because people have this connotation that that's fun and that's not business? It does. You know, we have to watch, you know, using that word, just even like gamification, because it does have the word game in it. Yeah. Because we're not going to go and build games necessarily. We can, but is that really what you need? You know, a lot of times you find out that people will just try to shove that idea down the company's throat because they just feel like that's going to solve the solution. And typically, it's the whole solution. But for us, you know, we we watch using the world. We may use game thinking around thinking and the methodology of how we create engagement on user platforms or business applications. It's just a different way of thinking than necessarily the traditional way that you might see standard software shops do or user experience shops do. But you do have to watch the word because it, it, yeah. can, it can turn people away. Yeah, I guess the trick is to make sure that the word is interpreted as 
uh, like this is a technology horizontal. This is like, you know, blockchain can be applied to cryptocurrency or it can be applied to smart cities or it can be applied to medical records, but it's a, a technology. This game theory can be applied in lots of different ways, but it's not the product game, but, but a way of thinking. Yeah, it's like, you know, you have design thinking sessions, we have game thinking you know, sessions yeah. as well, too. So it then becomes a blend in how you kind of bring out really what their business goals are. Because a lot of times those business goals are they're only typical give you partial because they haven't really thought through the process. And until we get in there with our visiting stage, which is our phase one part, then things start to come out. You know, you also try to make sure that all the stakeholders come out of the woodworks, too, because then that's the last thing that'll kind of get you. Yeah. Typically, it's a couple different directions we might go with that, but you do want to watch and how you use the word and how you explain it. You mentioned the technology stack earlier. IoT creates enormous new data sets and other kinds of things that can be pulled into all kinds of business and enterprise solutions. Uh, do you have any examples that you can share where folks are getting beyond maybe just the screen? or leveraging data, leveraging IoT in a different way. Yeah, I mean, digital transformation and, you know, IoT, that, that whole thing is just going to continually be a focus you know, as we move forward. I mean, for us and our chief technologist, you know, work directly underneath, you know, Bill Gates, and it's got a great understanding of how technologies integrate together. So we have so much data. That's out there. How can you leverage the data? And so, working in the AI space, we've got AI partners that we work with. You know, even working as deep with you know Watson and IBM, taking all that data. How do you make that useful and understandable data? So, you know, as we move forward, there's going to be things on how can we leverage the data to help us make decisions going forward. Predictive analytics, you know, machine learning, all that is you know areas that that we kind of play in that perspective and. Then, you know, we'll figure out, is it right to use that technology to help solve this one problem that's over here? So it's something that's going to be on the forefront. And we're presently right now, we've got about three or four projects that we're um, in proposals on that they want to leverage big data uh, in a way, but they also want to figure out ways and how can we represent all that data visually something that's more impactful? Instead of just having a screen full of numbers, and I, you know, a common person is not going to be able to tell what what are all those numbers mean. Uh, so, from us on the on the user experience side, we also try to focus on how do we take that data and resemble it in a way that's going to be understandable for the common person out there. What is the next Tony Stark device that you hope that your company can be a part of creating? Well, we don't create devices per se, even though that I think that would be even funner. Um, yeah, I'd love a flying suit if I could. Um, you, know, I, you know, for us as we as we move forward and we're we're looking kind of you know, out at the horizon, integrating data and integrating technologies is going to have to be somewhere where you know you just can't do everything. Even though if I look at our team, we could literally do anything, which that could be a blessing or a curse in disguise. So for us, is being able to create you know, integration systems. We do, you know, we're more custom. So we're more of a custom shop. We're going to go in and we're going to build a product specifically for you. We're also going to look at what your future is with that product. Are you also looking at a business case? And we have a, a business acumen as well. When you layer over top of, 
you know, the gaming, the behavioral, the emerging tech to help you make the right decisions for today. But how is that going to get you success for tomorrow and in the future? So for us, we're just, you know, we'll condense down that shop of custom shop. I know we're, we'll probably have some bit of IP play as we move forward. And I know as we listen and hear and see a gap, then that'll probably be the time we make a move to do something like that. But for us in the future, it's, you know, just continuing to make clients heroes, leveraging tech in a way that's useful and solving problems, being able to work with big data sets to help make decisions for future strategy for companies. So I, I just see continually doing kind of what we're doing now, but being able to integrate more technologies together. It's like the gaming industry is, you know, you don't see the large, large shops like an Epic Games or an Insomniac. You're seeing smaller amounts of that where you can get more five, six, eight, ten person shops versus a few hundred, you know, people in the shop. So you, you kind of have your specialties. And so to partner together with other companies that are out there, that's going to be the way that I see as you go and you just try to find who's the best partners that have your best fit in order to, to go and kind of build solutions together. We see that exact same behavior in the market broadly across the IoT space that, that there are a few mega players, but almost all of the really interesting new creative innovations are coming out of small businesses, new startups and so on. So yeah, that really resonates. Do you take your own medicine? Do you use any of your own uh, theories and, and things as you continue to steer the organization? Yeah, you know, you always talk about, do you, you eat your own dog food? And, you know, for us, it's, I mean, if it was up to me and I could build a building, we'd just build a building with white walls and whiteboards all over it, just, or, or glass or something to sketch on. We're always, you know, strategically thinking, whether the little mini design thinking sessions or just our planning sessions, uh, you know, we continue to try to use internally what we do externally with our clients. There, there are a couple ideas around building some of these tools that will help better us and what we do internally to create efficiencies that we feel could also be done externally. So, you know, it, it's always thinking that what could we build internally to help externally? What can we do to continue to breathe what we breathe and, and tell and express to our clients? So we're constantly trying to, to use and do the same thing externally, internally as well, too. That's great. I like the name you've described building many times in what you do for your clients. That's in the corporate name as well. And, and when I think about games, the most successful games continue to have another level and another level and another level and, and they keep going. Is there an origin story behind the name? What, what's the 25 mean in building 25? Yeah. So if, um, you know, if you're winding the clock a little bit, it's, it's almost like naming a child. It is so hard to do or name a company. So you're, you're trying to think of something that, really sparks a conversation, especially if you're in the elevator, the hero you are, you want the individual to ask, you know, questions. So I think we started with about 80 names. We pared it down to about four. And then out of the four, we did server, you know, uh, survey groups. And from that, we started to narrow in on building 25. The origination of the name came out of, you know, the IBM campus, where out of building 25 came innovation, microprocessing, creativity. So that's what we always kind of gravitated to. The other interesting thing that people talked about in the association was the association to Area 51. 
uh-huh. the numbers of so many people that said building 25 and they kept saying, yeah, I just keep thinking area 51. It's like what happens in that building. And so sure, there's a little bit of magic in what we do because we bring in so much different expertise. You know, it's hard to see all that expertise under one roof. So there's a little bit of mystery of, you know, how we do it and you know, the experience we come from. So that was an association and then it just stuck. You know, the more we talk to, and I tell you, it's like almost every conversation, they're always asking, well, where did that name come from? So that, that's kind of the origination of the name and how we stuck to it. And plus it just gives, you know, there's IBM roots here locally, even though obviously they're global, but it just, it kind of made a, a global fit. Now, you know, more of a local fit. That's great. And folks can rest assured that if they do have any nervousness about Area 51, I'm sure that Tony Stark knows what to do about anything that might come out of there. So uh, that's a, a great story. I appreciate you sharing and uh, really appreciate you joining us on the program today, Troy. It's been a great conversation. I hope anyone that's out there that's thinking about a particular business challenge that they've got right now, customer challenge, and is interested in a kind of different perspective, reaches out. So thanks. And uh, how can folks find you? And uh, web address www.bldg-25.com or you know where Riot is, we're right upstairs. So. Yep. We're glad to have you here at Riot Labs. Thanks again for joining the program and look forward to having you on for another level of gaming on another program soon. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. Hi, y'all. Caroline Griffin here, dropping in to say thanks for listening. And if you have any questions for Riot, send me a note. You may reach me at caroline at riot.org. This Riot Underground podcast is created and produced by Riot Studios with music by Scott Jackson. Riot is a nonprofit focused on economic development through the Internet of Things or IoT. We produce events, conferences, and educational courses around the world. And we run an early stage startup accelerator out of Riot Labs in Raleigh, North Carolina. Our nonprofit also operates a wireless test and certification facility under the Wireless Research Center brand. Learn how to engage by visiting us at riot.org.